welcome you all. We have some friends actually from California here today, and I want to welcome them. Thank you for coming. And yeah. Well, I just want to share from Psalms 23. Everybody knows that. But it's an amazing scripture for this day that we're living in. And, um, you know, there's all kinds of enemies around us right now, isn't it? And one of the biggest ones is fear and actually division that's coming against our nation. And um, Psalms 23 hits it really well. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want Everything we need is in him. He makes us to lie down in green pastures and leads us beside still waters and restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff. They comfort me. And you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, right there in the presence of any enemies that we have. He is preparing a table, and we're going to eat today. We're going to feast today on God's presence, on God's goodness. He anoints your head with oil, and your cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy, goodness and mercy, it's because of the goodness and the mercy of our God that we can eat, we can feast today. And goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. And we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So if you want to stand with me today. And today we just declare the goodness of God over these people. We declare the goodness of God over America. I thank you, God, that our land is a land that serves God. Our land is a land that loves God. And I thank you that there is victory running across our land today. And I thank you as we lift up your name, Jesus, we declare you are king today. Thank you. You are king today. Hallelujah. And I thank you, Jesus, that as we lift up your name, God, all the enemies are running. All the enemies are confused and they are running. They're running. They're running. So we just love you today, Jesus, and we lift up your name. Thank you, Jesus. Victory. 
There's power in the mighty name of Jesus. Oh, every war he wages, he will win. And I'm not backing down from any giant. Oh, I know how this story
gonna see Cause I'm gonna see a victory I'm gonna see a victory For the battle belongs to you I'm gonna see a victory I'm gonna see a victory for the battle belongs to you, Lord.
Let your kingdom in 
Touch my eyes. Spirit of wisdom, open my eyes again. Spirit of revelation, open my heart again. Spirit of wisdom, open my eyes again. Spirit of revelation, open my heart again, cause I want to see you.
Jesus, we're so grateful. We come with grateful hearts, God, for all that you have done for us. We come with grateful hearts that you wanted to be our Father. You gave the greatest sacrifice, God. And we crown you today. We crown you, King of all the earth, King of we declare that you are king over all the earth. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you that your kingdom is invading this earth. Your kingdom is invading us and it's invading this earth. God, I thank you. There's an outpouring of your presence and your spirit across our land. God, I thank you, Jesus, that there's nothing that can stop the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, of the presence of God across our land. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Ooh, yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, that you included us in your plan. You included us in your plan and in your kingdom, God, and we just are so grateful. We're a privileged people. We are a privileged people, and we just worship you with all our hearts today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for your presence here today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, for touching every one of these people here today and that's joined us online. I thank you for any needs that are present here and present there, God. We release the power of your Holy Spirit and we break every curse. We break every curse upon these people. We break every curse 
that has been spoken. We break the curse across our land. We break the curses across our land, and we just release God's goodness, God's presence. And we thank you, God, that we're going to see such a move across our land. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We just worship you today, and we love you. Well, praise God. We're so thankful that you're all here today. We're thankful that you've joined forces with Destiny Church, and uh, we just want to bless you today. So greet your neighbor. Tell them hello. Tell them God is blessing them today. His goodness and mercy is on them. Well, good morning, Destiny Church. It's so good to have you all here today. If you're watching us online, we're glad that you're here. Praise God. God's a good God. We knows He cares about us a lot. And um, I want to take the opportunity here today just to receive our offering, our tithes and offering. The ushers can please help me. If you're giving cash, would like a receipt, just slip your hand up. One of these ushers will give you an offering envelope. Uh, otherwise, you can make your check out to Destiny Church. And if you're watching online, I think we have a way that you can give online page up there. And so we're just so glad that uh, we have the op- opportunity. I want to just thank you all once again for giving so abundantly, so uh, generously into the work of God here. We, uh, we really are blessed to have you with us and have you a part of the church here. And uh, we, um, you know, we went through kind of a shutdown for several weeks, and uh, we just really flourished uh, financially during that time. It was awesome. And so a lot of churches were struggling, but God just blessed us. And we're just so thankful that you guys were a part of that. You let God use you in that way. So let's receive our offering. Let's pray over it. Lord, thank you for this opportunity to give. Thank you for these awesome people and their generosity. We just pray, Lord, that you will anoint uh, their gift as they give it, Lord. That, Lord, that it'll be like a seed that they plant, that it'll produce a harvest. We thank you for it. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go ahead, men, pass the offering buckets. I have a couple of announcements I want to just make um, as they're passing the offering buckets. First of all, next Sunday is our 40th anniversary. That's amazing, huh? 40 years. Um, so we started, we started 40 years ago. That was kind of a weak clap. It's kind of like a, sounded like a golf. Sounded more like golf applause. You ever seen the, if you ever watch golf on TV, you know, they, they applaud, but they don't applaud too loud because they don't want to upset the golfers. I guess it throws their swing off or something. But anyways, um, so 40 years ago, next Sunday is our, was our first Sunday. Um, and so we're going to be celebrating that. It's kind of it's interesting. You know, I, my, my daughter's making a video for the event. So I was kind of going through some old sermons. And I, as I listened to my old preaching, you know, it's always hard to listen to yourself preach, but... Um, you know, I got re- when I first started, I had a lot of nervous ticks. You know, where you'd you'd say, you know what I mean, you know, what I, you say you know what I mean a lot, or what you know, you say something like that. And um, so I got over that, but then I went to this, my I got into my screaming mode, where I, you know, I couldn't say, hey, God loves you. I'd say, God loves you. You know, everything was screaming. So I had my I had my screaming mode. So after a while, you know, I'm listening to these old tapes, and I mean, some of them were really good. I mean, I, I say that objectively, totally objectively. But, um, but some of them are just like, ugh, I just, they just grind on me. I don't know. And so if you've been here a long time in church, 
I just want to say once again, way to go, guys. You hung, you hung in there. You, you guys have been through a lot. And we get to heaven, I'm telling you, God's going to give you a big, you know, not a Burger King crown, but you're going to get a big crown, you know, like a big one. You'll probably need an angel to carry it around for you. But uh, so uh, next Sunday, so to, to uh, celebrate that 40th, we were going to have a big celebration, but because of the COVID restrictions, we thought that we should wait because we want to invite the community out and we want to feed everybody. We want to do a bunch of stuff. And so that's not going to work. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to wait till like spring. Just believe that by spring, this whole thing will have uh, crashed and burned. And uh, so, uh, but, but, um, so, but we are going to have a special speaker in next Sunday. And we've had him here before, Dave Wagner. Uh, he has a prophetic ministry. He's, he's kind of like the loving prophet, and, uh, and so he, he will be here. Uh, and the first service is Saturday night, next Saturday night, at 6 o'clock. We started a little bit earlier because we figured Saturday people aren't were at work, so we could start a little earlier. So it was Saturday night at 6 o'clock, and then Sunday morning, 10 o'clock, and then Sunday night at 6 o'clock again. So it's a little different. Usually our, our, Sunday, or our evening meetings are at 6.30, but, um, but this is going to be at 6 o'clock. So can everybody remember that? 6 o'clock. So we'll be starting sharp at 6 o'clock. So we want you all to come. Make sure you invite somebody. Kind of advertising low-keyed because um, of the situation. But we just want you all to come out. And uh, you, you, um, a lot of times Dave gives people words and stuff. And he's got a great ministry, and we really enjoy him. The other thing is, um, on the... I think it's the 13th of October. I wrote it down there. What is it? 12th. 12th to the 14th of October. We're going to be doing a fast. And um, I don't know if you know what a fast is. We've done them before where we, we, um, we take, take three days. It's a three-day fast. And um, it's a biblical principle where you, you go without something. Some people go without food uh, uh, or part, you know, maybe give up sweets for three days or give up your cell phone. Wouldn't that be a fast? I mean, a lot of people that wake up in the middle of the night to check their cell phone. But um, so give up something to help you focus more on the Lord. You know, I always tell people fasting doesn't change God because God is the same before you fast, during your fast, and after your fast. So it doesn't change. God's, God's the same. He doesn't change. And he doesn't look down because you're denying yourself in some way and go, oh, well, you seem, you seem, uh, you seem serious about this. I'm going to answer you or whatever. That's not why we fast. We actually fast. It helps us fast to become more sensitive, more alert spiritually, more focused. And so we just want to encourage you to participate. And so every night at 630, now that meeting will be at 630, but every night at 630, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday, We'll be having a prayer meeting here at the church, and we'll have some, some worship, and we'll be just um, praying. We're praying a lot for our nation, uh, believing for the upcoming election, but also just that God will work uh, mightily in our land. And uh, we just believe that, that the answer to the situation that's so much turmoil in our nation, the answer is God. That's how we, we look at it. And I believe that we need to do our part. We need to vote. We need to be involved. But I just really believe in the final analysis, the answer is God. And so we're just going to be asking God to, to work on behalf of our nation. We'll be praying. We always pray for other things, too, but that will be kind of the focus. And each day we'll have something about the nation that we'll be focusing in on.
So, does that make sense? Okay, so let's, as we, uh, before we jump into the word here, before I get going, uh, just stand up one more time, please. And let's just pray for our nation and uh, pray for, you know, this is a scriptural in 1 Timothy chapter 2. It said, Paul said, I exhort that first of all prayers, supplications, giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, for all that are in authority. So it is a scriptural principle. So let's just do that together. We usually grab hands, but, we, but because of that, maybe you want to touch elbows or whatever. But let's just pray. Lord, thank you that we can agree in prayer. And Lord, you said that you're... Your eyes are over the righteous and your ears are open to their prayers. And Lord, we are righteous because of the blood of Jesus, not because of what we've done, but because of what you did for us. You gave us your righteousness. And so, Lord, right now that you are open, your ears are open to our prayers. And we pray on behalf of this nation. Lord, we just thank you, first of all, that we had the privilege to live in such an amazing country. We're just so grateful for that, Lord. We don't take that for granted. And Lord, we just pray that you will bless our president, uh, his staff, his cabinet, Lord, right now in Jesus' name. Give them wisdom, Lord. Strengthen them, Lord. Protect them. We pray for uh, the Senate and the, the uh, Supreme Court, the judicial system, Lord. We just pray that you will bless every single, uh, every single one of these branches of government. And we pray that you bless our, na- our country, Lord, our, our state, God, that you bless the leaders of our state. And God, we just pray that you, you'll cause there to be a tremendous uh, revival to sweep this, la- this land. A, a great awakening, Lord, would sweep this nation once again. We pray, Lord, we ask you as your people that we entreat you today that you would do a mighty work in our land. And we just thank you for that. We commit this nation to you, Lord, into your hands. We trust you, Lord, to heal our divisions and to, um, and to, and to cause your will to be done here. We pray that in Jesus' name. Everybody agrees? Amen. So turn to your neighbor and say, I agree with that prayer. Praise God. So anyways, this morning, I titled this message, um, The Conditions or Conditions on the Ground. Conditions on the Ground. I don't know, how many have ever heard that expression, the conditions on the ground or conditions on the ground? How many have ever heard that? Okay, three of us. All right. The rest of you never heard that expression, conditions on the ground. So usually what happens is when, when you hear that expression, uh, it's usually used because there's a gap between what people are saying. In other words, what is being reported or what political people are saying or whatever. And there's a gap between that and what's really going on. And so a news reporter will come on and say, well, the conditions on the ground. And what they're trying to tell you is that they're trying to give you a reality check, what's really happening. And, and so I, I want to use that expression, conditions on the ground, and talk about some things that are going on and, and, and really what is the church, what should be the church's response to it and what is the, the vision or the mission that Jesus had for his church. Now in, in the Bible, in Bible interpretation, they have what they call the law of first mention. I don't know if if you've ever studied the Bible or taken a, a class on how to interpret Scripture, which I did, uh, this law of first mention is that the first time a subject is mentioned in the Bible is the most important time because it generally gives you the, uh, uh, the parameters or a picture of what the original intent that God had when he, 
when he talked about that issue, like worship or whatever. That's, that's kind of like the very, he, he expresses his intent or he gives you kind of the overall picture of what he intends for that to be like, whatever it might be. What's interesting that is the first time the church, the word church is mentioned in the Bible is in Matthew chapter 16. And there are pictures of the church in the Old Testament. But I mean, the first time the word church is mentioned in the Bible, in the New Testament, is found in Matthew chapter 16. So let's read that passage real quickly. Here's three or four verses. Matthew 16, verses 16 through 19. It says, Simon, Jesus asked the disciples, who do, who do men say that I am? And then he said, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter spoke up and said, you are the anointed one, the Christ the son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are favored and privileged, Simon, son of Jonah, for you didn't discover this on your own, but my Father in heaven has supernaturally revealed it to you. I give you the name Peter, a stone, and this truth of who I am will be the bedrock foundation of which I will build my church, my legislative assembly, and the power of death will not be able to overpower it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and uh, heavenly realm to forbid on earth that which is forbidden in heaven and to release on earth that which is released in heaven. So it's interesting. I always tell people this, this joke because most of us are Scandinavian. But I always tell this joke that, the, that, that Peter's name was Simon Bar-Jonah. That's how the King James puts it. The word bar means son. So it's Simon, son of Jonah. And Jonah is a derivative of the word John. You can, I'm not making that up. You can, you can, look, you can Google it. You'll find that's true. That Jonah is, is a derivative of the name John. So Peter's real name was Simon Johnson. He was a good Scandinavian. He had migrated from the Scandinavian country. No, I'm just kidding. Anyways, but... But what happened here was, you know, when Jesus asked them, who do men say that I am? They're all giving their opinion. Well, some say you're this, some say you're that. Then he asked them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter spoke up and he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Now, you have to understand in the context, the Jewish people had been waiting for the Messiah to come. they had been waiting for Christ to come. I mean, he was their long awaited Messiah because all through the Old Testament, God promised that Messiah would come. I mean, actually, the very first promise of the scripture in Genesis chapter 3 was that Messiah, it wasn't called Messiah, he wasn't called Messiah there, but that Messiah would come. And so from Genesis chapter 3 onward, throughout scripture, throughout prophecies, throughout the Old Old Testament, there is this promise that Jesus or Messiah would come. And so they all looked for him. They all waited for him. They knew he would be the son of David. He'd come from David, David's lineage. They all waited for him. They all looked for him. And so when Jesus showed up, Peter's, Jesus said, who do men say that I am? Well, nobody said that. But Peter goes, you're the Christ. You are the long-awaited Messiah. You're the one that all the Old Testament prophets had spoke of. You are him. You have come. And Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon. And he said, Simon, flesh and blood didn't reveal this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. In other words, Peter, you got a revelation. And then he said this, on this revelation that you received, every single person that's a part of my church, the way they get into my church is to have the same kind of revelation. In other words, of who Jesus is 
And what was the gift that he brought to the earth? That revelation. Every single person that gets that revelation is going to be a part of my church. How many, how many can see that? And so, so you are here today, if you're a Christian, if you're a part of the church, not, not talking about Destiny Church, I mean, that's not what I'm referring to, but if you're a part of the church, universal, it's because you have this revelation of who Jesus is and the, and the salvation that he brought to the earth. You have a revelation of that. That's what got you into the church. Now, you might have all kinds of crazy doctrines and all kinds of crazy ideas, but that thought right there or that thing right there, that, that truth right there is what got you into the church. You, you, uh, you turned away from your sin, you received Christ into your life, and because of that, you had a born-again experience that puts you into the church. And Jesus said this, I'm going to build my church on this revelation. I'm spitting a lot today. I should be wearing a mask. I'm glad you guys are far away because I see these white, white cotton stuff flying out of my mouth. There, there's another one right there. Maybe these lights bring it out or something. Just stay back, everybody, because it could get ugly. But anyway, so, so, uh, and so he, he said, my whole church is going to be built on that revelation. Who I am, who Jesus is, and the revelation or the gift that I'm bringing to the earth, salvation. And so anyone that believes on that is going to be a part of my church. And then he says this about his church. I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. Now, just stop and think about that for a second. You know, I've never been attacked by a gate. Have you ever, I mean, have you ever gone up to a gate, and the gate jumps off the hinges and starts attacking you, starts beating you, knocks you down to the ground? I mean, that generally doesn't happen. Because a gate is not a, an offensive weapon. A gate is a defensive weapon. A gate is designed to protect what's inside. It's almost like a door or something that's designed for protection. It's a defensive weapon. How many would agree with me on that? It's defensive. And he says, the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. So that leaves you with the impression that the church, now get this. He said, I'm going to build this church. Jesus said this, the first mention of the church. I'm going to build this church and the gates of hell, the citadels of hell, the fortresses of hell, the strongholds of hell will not be able to stand against it. In other words, my church, I might even get excited. Maybe it's wearing all these tape, old tastes. I mean, listen, maybe it'll start wearing off on me. I'll start yelling, screaming, really spitting. But, but anyway, so it says, he said, my church, the church I'm building, the church I'm building is going to be so powerful that when the enemy tries to bring up roadblocks or tries to stand in his way, the gates will not be able to stop my church. My church is going to be advancing. My church is going to be on the move. My church is going to tear apart the works of hell. Now, that's the first mention of the church. That's powerful. Then he says, whatever you bind on the earth, I'm going to give my church the keys of the kingdom. Keys are really important. If you're trying to get into a building, keys are really important. If you've got the keys, you're like, you're like the guy in charge or the woman in charge. You've got the keys. I can open. What do you want? You know, like if you had the keys of this building, you can open up doors into this place. Look at all this stuff you could steal. But you're not that way, so I know you would never do that. But anyways, but you might know somebody that would do that. But anyways, but, but my point is, is that if you have the keys, you have access. Keys give you access to, to open things up 
and to shut things. Keys give you access to open things, or in other words, to permit things, or to forbid things. Keys give you that, that authority. Do, do I permit this to happen? Or I permit this to happen? Or I forbid this to happen? Keys give you that kind of authority. Keys cause you to be able to unlock stuff and to lock stuff. How many can see what I'm saying? He said, I'm going to give that church that I'm building, they're going to be built, they're going to all have one thing, they're going to have the confession of, of who I am, and they're going to all receive the gift that I've received, that I've, I'm bringing to the earth, and I'm going to build it, and I'm going to give them access to the heavenly realm, I'm going to give them access to spiritual things, I'm going to give them access to my resources, and then he says, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So let me, say, let me say something. That sounds pretty powerful, doesn't it? That sounds really powerful to me. But let me say this to you. But the conditions on the ground are... <laughs> Jesus, it's almost like Jesus is a cheerleader going, I'm going to build this church. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be filled with Holy Ghost people. It's going to have, they're going to have the keys of the kingdom. They're going to be, be able to unlock, and they're going to be able to lock, and they're going to, and they're going to uh, pilfer the, the, the gates of hell, and they're going to, uh, they're going to take back the, the treasures of darkness from the underworld, and, and they're going to do all this thing, and Satan, look out, here they come. And, uh, uh, but the conditions on the ground are... He go, what happened? What happened? Somewhere, something went wrong. How many know what I mean? Because when you hear how Jesus talks about his church, because he says, I'm coming back for a glorious church, filled with glory. I'm coming back for this. I'm coming back for, for a beautiful bride. I'm coming back for someone that's so beautiful and and I'm going to come back with somebody, and I'm an heir, I'm an heir, we're heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. And all these verses, and then all of a sudden you look at the church, and I'm not picking on us, I'm just, because it's us. I'm in this with you wholeheartedly, we're together in this. If something is wrong with, where we, with our mission, how many can see what I'm saying? And so last Sunday, at the end of the song service, or the worship service, this question came to my mind. And so I want to give you the question that came to my mind. It says, this, this is the question, and I'm not saying that God gave it to me, but I just, it just came to my mind. What keeps the church from rising? And I'm not just talking about our church, but I'm talking about the church universal. What keeps it from rising up? What keeps it from, what keeps it from being? Now, that's, that's probably a very complex answer. And, and we don't have... Five hours, maybe three. No, I'm just kidding. But, 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 but we don't have all the time to try to examine. I think it's a complex question. I think it's a complex answer. But I think there's some things that, that it's not that hard to figure out what keeps it from, from rising. One, I, this is my opinion now. I think one thing is it's the, it's the division. And I've been talking for the last four weeks on unity and I think that the church has been a house divided. And the thing that we're divided about, and this is why I kind of hammered this really hard, is the thing that we're divided about is not, uh, is not essential doctrines, because there are essential doctrines. There, there are a few things that you have to believe. 
You've got to believe them. They're, they're essential for you to believe. They, they, if you don't believe those things, you can't even really be a Christian if you don't believe those things. They're essential doctrines. They're like Jesus was born of a virgin. If he wasn't born of a virgin, then he's, he's fallen, and then he can't help us because he needs redemption himself. He's born of a virgin, that he lived a sinless life, that he died on a cross for our sins. He was buried the third day, he rose again. He ascended to heaven. He's coming back again to judge the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. There's certain things that we have to believe. The Bible is the inspired word of God. It's not, it's not fairy tales. It's the inspired word of God. We believe it from the, the table of contents to the maps. We believe everything in between. We believe it. We believe that it's inspired by God. And so there's certain things that you have to believe to be a Christian. But what we, don't, we don't usually divide up over those things. What we usually divide up over is non-essentials. You know, we have all these beliefs that they're, they're not essential. You don't need to believe them to get saved, but, and you don't need them to become a Christian. But, and I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm abandoning what I believe. I'm going to believe what I believe, and I'm going I'm to preach it, and I'm going to teach it, and I'm going to stand for it. But I'm not, listen, I'm not going to divide over it. Because Paul, he said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 8. He said, and you could tell, if you read, try to read it with, with the attitude that Paul was saying it. Because he had an attitude when he was talking to 1 Corinthians. Because he was frustrated with that church. Because they were all divided up. And he said, he said, uh, he said now concerning the things, sacrifice to idols. He said, he said, we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. And, and so he said, we all have knowledge. We all got all this knowledge. all these huge, huge, huge heads. We have knowledge, but he goes, knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. And so he goes, what I'm looking for when I come among you, I don't want to know the word. I want to know the power. I want to see some demonstration. I want to see some power. I want to see some reality. I want to see some people that are being transformed, not a bunch of people that have all this knowledge in their head. I want to see some people that, whose hearts are transformed. I want to see some people that are walking in love. I want to see some people that are walking in humility. I want to see some people that are showing the life of Christ. It's coming through every pore of their being. That's what I want to see. I want to see people that are walking in the demonstration of Christ. I want to see people that have a vital relationship with Jesus. They're communicating with him. They're touching him. They're communing with him on a daily basis. I want to see those kind of people. I don't want to just see a bunch of intellectual, ivory, uh, ivory uh, steeple type uh, uh, intellectuals that go, well, let me tell you what I think about. Why don't you go out and get somebody saved? Why don't you go do something for Jesus' sake? That's, what, that's, the, that's the thing that I think Paul was railing against, was all these intellectuals, because they were living their life in such a way as other people didn't matter. You know, I have kind of a, a, a life philosophy that has three words to it. You should write this down, these three words. Not get the money. See, you thought I, I was going to say get the money. So I, I, I got to tell you this story. See, now you guys know what I'm talking about, but what do you mean? Get the money? What's that got to do with me? So my kids would always help people. And then they would, and then the person would say, well, let me pay you. And they'd say, oh, no, you don't have to pay us. I'm going, I'd look at them like, what? So I, I'd tell my kids three words, get the money. <laughs> That's where that came from. 
I'm not talking about being greedy or covetous. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, you know, sometimes some people need to hear, get the money. But that's, that's not what I'm saying. That's not the three words I'm talking about here. So I, I just kind of developed these three words that are good principles or values. How many want to get them? Want to hear them? So the first one is hunger. You might be hungry right now. But I'm talking about spiritual hunger. In other words, to live my life in such a way that I'm always hungry. I'm always hungry for God. I'm always hungry for spiritual things. I'm always hungry to go forward. I'm always hungry to learn. I'm always hungry to to develop. I'm always hungry for greater depths and greater heights in God. Hungry. I'm always hungry to be more used of God. I'm always hungry and open to whatever he wants me to do. I'm hungry. I'm listening. Whatever you want me to do, I want to do it or die trying. Hungry. So everybody got hungry down? The second word is humble. Humble. Because we have too many arrogant Christians. Humble is teachable. Humble is pliable. Humble is somebody who will, who, who's willing to to adjust themselves. Some, some, it's not somebody whose mind is like cement, cement, thoroughly mixed and well set. It's not somebody like that, but they're open and they're pliable and they're teachable. Humble, that's an awesome word, humble. You can see, the Bible says that anytime there's strife in relationship, it's always pride. That's rough. And when it talks about the wisdom that comes from above, it says it's easy to be entreated. In other words, you can talk to them. You can actually engage them in a conversation. You can appeal to them and they will listen. They'll say yes, because they value the relationship. And sometimes when we, I don't like the way we witness sometimes. And, and I've done it both ways, let me tell you. And uh, you know, I used to do a lot of street witnessing, a lot of street preaching. And I, I can't tell you how many times I've told sinners that they're going to hell. Want to hear a terrible story? Do you guys want to hear this or not? So I was, wit- I was witnessing this guy, and I was trying to give him a track. And he grabbed my track, and he threw it on the ground and walked away. So this is what I did. Now, I was, this is many years ago, and I'm a lot better now. But I picked it up, and I said, well, go to hell then. See if I care. <laughs> I know. I said that. I, I said that. He looked back. <laughs> That's horrible. I know. You're all looking at me like, I'm a lot better than you. Why are you preaching to us? I don't know why, I tell you the truth. But that's the truth. I mean, it's, it's, it's sad, but true. You know, it's sad, but true. But humble. Everybody say humble. I got to get your minds back off of that. Are we all back here again now? That was a long time ago. Today I would probably cry. <laughs> so the second thing is humble. The third word, want to hear the third word? is honor, honor, to be honoring to people, to honor every single person, every person that you run into. And sometimes that's hard to do, especially if you're in an argument with somebody. It's hard to be honoring. But it's something that we have to, we have to learn to do. I don't know how I got in on that, but what was I talking about? But anyways, those are three words that really, I'm kind of blowing up my sermon here, and I'm almost done. But those are three words that I think are my, my words, and I would suggest they should be your words. I would study those words, and I'd figure out a way to use those words for the glory of God. But I think that's one of the reasons why 
the church because the Bible says that a house divided against itself, a house divided against itself can't stand. And so I've just kind of made this, you know, because when, when I meet somebody that's a Christian, even though we don't agree doctrinally, it drives me crazy. And, and, and so I, I feel like I got to change their mind. Do you guys ever feel that way? And, and I feel like I got to argue and argue and argue and get heated and argue with some more until I change their mind. And usually when you get into, once you start arguing and it gets heated, it, you probably should stop. Let's pick this up later when the emotions are down. Because no good is going to come out of this conversation. Chances are. Until we ratchet the, ratchet the rhetoric and ratchet the emotions down. And then let's talk about it again. Not that we ignore problems. We don't ignore problems. We want to confront problems. We want to, we want to, uh, you know, we want to be able to, to address problems. We want to solve them. But if we're just going to argue, it's not going to go anywhere. And that's true with people also. And that doesn't mean that I don't share my views. I will share my views. I just don't do it in a hateful way. Because it's not very honoring to people. You know, it's interesting. I remember one time years ago, because I'd always hear the Bible talk about honor. You know, honor this, honor that, honor them. And I thought, what is, what is I don't know what that means. How do you honor somebody? And, and this guy said, he gave this story about um, he said that years ago, well, he would actually do these uh, lectures, and he had he had purchased he had purchased this very expensive violin. We would call them fiddles. And so he would bring he would come out and he would talk to the people about honor. And everybody's kind of sitting there, and he'd pick up this old violin, and everybody's looking at this old violin, thinking, oh, golly. And so he'd start to turn the chords, and he'd start plucking on the chords, and or the strings, not the chords, strings. And he would start tuning it in front of everybody. And, and they're all looking at that. And he's talking about honor. And, and, he, and, and they're all looking at it like, well, what's, what's he got this old, beat up, this old beat up fiddle for? And then he got it all tuned up. And then he looked inside, where, you know, in that little hole there. He looked inside and he said, it says Stradivarius. Now, see, you didn't get the right response. I'll try one more time. Stradivarius. <laughs> See, Stradivarius, that means he's holding like a $120,000 fiddle. See, if you knew fiddles or violins, you'd go, oh. You see that? And that's what most people do when he goes, Stradivarius. Everybody goes, oh. And all of a sudden they go, wow. I was looking at that old beat up fiddle. And I was thinking, what a piece of junk. Where'd you get that at a garage sale somewhere for five bucks or whatever? Now, when, they, when you go Stradivarius, they go, oh. Nowadays, it could be worth a million dollars. Who knows what it's worth today? But it's like, all of a sudden, that, oh, that, that right there, that's honor. That's honor. So I used to think about this, you know, when I talk about my kids, I want to put honor on them. And so I used to try to go, when they come in, I go, oh. <laughs> And sometimes it was hard. I mean, you want to hear a funny story? I'm almost done. I, actually, I should be done right now. I, I didn't even get to my sermon, actually. Because I was going to, my main sermon was part two of this. But, but I can't get into it now. It'll take too long. It'd be way too long. Way, way too long. You would actually be like, 
mad, probably. No, you wouldn't be. You would be happy. You'd be excited. You might start, we can't swing from the globes anymore. You ever notice that? That when they said we're going to take the globes out, I thought, boy, even though I never swang from it, I always thought about it, you know. But so here's a funny story. Um, So when my kids were little, we would take them to like Disney. We take them to Disney World, Disneyland. Um, What was that Valley Fair? I hate those places. I mean, I would rather, I I told them, I'd rather go get my teeth, all my teeth drilled without Novocaine than go go to those places. I mean, I just like, in fact, one time I begged my wife, please, I was on my knees, please, can I stay home? No, you're going with. (laughs) And so the strategy was, the strategy was don't eat anything till we get there because we want to pay $20 for a hot dog. This is no kidding. I brought a bunch of money with. By the time the end of the day came, I had gone, blown, I blew through that like nothing. I, I think I, in the first two hours, that was gone. That was gone. And then I was using the plastic, you know. The, and so I'm, and I'm, I'm conservative, you know, by nature. I'm conservative. And so I'm driving home and I'm thinking, <laughs> the kids are all there. And they're, all, they're all shocked up on sugar, you know, they're all bouncing off the wall. And this is long before car seats and stuff. And so we were, they were flying around inside this, you know, pushing their face up against the sides of the windows and, and all that stuff. And so we're all sh- sh- shocked up on sugar. And I'm think, all I'm thinking about is how much money I just spent, you know, and what a rotten day I had. And, and, and so, and so one of them goes, we drive by a Dairy Queen. Yeah. And they go, can we have a Dairy Queen? And I just like, I lost it. I think there's a, a gasket blew in my head. Well, no, first what happened was I said, I said no. And then they got mad. Then the gasket blew in my head. Do you know how much money I've spent today? I, I don't know. It was, I don't even know why I told you that. But anyways, but, but oh, I was talking about honor how important it is to honor people. <laughs> yeah, I still be honoring my kids. Yeah, that's right. So how, on, how, how important it is to honor somebody. So, so you should practice that. You should, I mean that. You should practice that. Just try that. When you see somebody go, because it says the bright, you know, I used to always go, because I read this verse in Proverbs, it said the brightening of the eyes gladdens the heart. And so I'd go to the mirror and i go, I try to brighten my eyes, and I go, it didn't do a thing for my heart. I don't, my heart didn't change one little bit. I go like, it's still just, you know, I mean. But all of a sudden, it hit me one day. It's not, it's not me brightening my eyes and gladdening my heart. It's when I see something, because I had this happen to me where I saw somebody that was pretty famous, and I saw them, and they go, Steve! I go, man, that made me, I don't know why that made me feel good. And so all of a sudden it hit me. It's not my heart, it's the glad, when I brighten my eyes, when I see somebody, I'm like, I'm glad to see them. You're precious, you're awesome, you're wonderful, even though you could have been a jerk all week. We'll talk about that later. Hi, how are you? The brightening of the eyes gladdens their heart. And so those three words, and so when you look at, let me just close with this. I, I screwed my message up, but did you guys appreciate this one at all? This is a different one, but it's, so here's my, here's my thing, is that when we, start, when we start dealing with each other, 
and even people from other churches. You know, I, I gave you a saying one time, when somebody comes and they're from another church or they talk about people from another church, here's what we say. What do we say? That's a wonderful church. Unless it's not. But <laughs> I mean, unless they kill dogs and, 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 you know, sacrifice the blood or something. I mean, come on. We got to draw the line somewhere. I mean, but here, here's our thing. If they are a Christian church, if they're believers, they're part of the same body, we want them to succeed. And so we want to say, that's a wonderful church filled with glorious people. Because even if they're not acting that glorious, they have glory, the potential for glory is there, and we want to draw it out of them. Amen? And people thrive in an environment where, of praise more than they thrive in an environment of criticism and nitpicky and all this other stuff that we do that we should not do because it doesn't. Because I think this sometimes, as the worship team comes, I think this sometimes that um, we think that if we have perfect doctrine, that all of a sudden the power of God is going to invade the place. God, God's Jesus is going to go, wow, you finally got your doctrine straight. Well, because of that, I'm going to show up. But that isn't the way it is. Now, I think we should have right doctrine. But I think really the way it is is what attracts God, what attracts God is hunger. God is attracted by hunger. You know, David would say that, I hunger and I thirst. As the deer pants, we sing that song, as the deer pants after the water brick, so my soul pants after you, O God. I just imagine that David was out one day meditating. He saw a deer that had been out in the desert and it was, it was headed for the water and it was, it, was, it was thirsty. You could see it making a beeline for the water and I can imagine that David looked at that and said, that, that right there. Right there, that's my soul. That's my soul after the things of God. That's my soul right there after pursuing the things of God. That's it right there. That's that hungry. I'm hungry for you. And when we, we get to that place spiritually where we're hungry, and we maintain that hunger. And sometimes you've got to get rid of things in your life because it saps spiritual hunger out of your life. You know, I had this, this, again, is a long time ago, so I'm better now. But I had this, had this guy, I heard him preaching, he said that he asked the Lord, Lord, show me my heart. I thought, man, that's a dangerous prayer. <laughs> if he asked me, that'd be a dangerous prayer. And so all of a sudden, I had this, I don't know, it's like a, a mental picture where I was like in a, some kind of a garden or something, and all this stuff was growing up. And I kept looking at it, and, and the garden was, it had all kinds of, uh, like, worries. One plant, I saw one plant had worry. One plant had fear. Another plant had unforgiveness. Had all this stuff. And I, I did find a plant that had a desire for God. But I thought, this desire for God is competing with all this other stuff. And it's creating, it's creating in me a heart that is not wholly devoted to Jesus. See, there's, and so sometimes you have to just, you know, get rid of some stuff. Even if you just get rid of it for, for a little while. So that you, that you can refocus. That's what fasting does. Get rid of some stuff so you can refocus. So you can be, become a wholly devoted 
follower of Jesus. Otherwise, what happens is, is your heart gets pulled in different directions. Amen? That's why Jesus would always say, don't worry. Don't worry about a thing. You know, if Jesus came right now, you remember how they say, if you're a mafia guy, don't worry, I take care of everything. <laughs> and the Godfather. That's an interesting name if you think about it, the Godfather. Father God. They, they took that. Don't worry about anything. I take care of everything. You know, I can't even do it. I'm not a very good... You know, if Jesus showed up right now, what would he say? Oh, man, this is, we're in a mess. Would you think he'd do that? I think he'd say, don't worry. <laughs> I take care of everything. <laughs> right? Wouldn't he do that? You, you know, one time, one time I was, uh, I got to quit here. I'm just trying to stop. One time I was going through a really hard, hard time, and I was, kept praying, God. What's going on? You know, I kept, kept asking the Lord. And I had this funny, it was kind of a, you know, I knew God was helping me, but it's like I, I was, it's like I didn't literally or anything like that, but I just kind of like I had this experience where I felt like I went to the, went to the presence of God, like I went to the throne of God. I didn't literally, but I just kind of had that sense or whatever. I was, I felt like I'm, I'm something's happening. The very first thing, the very first thing that I noticed wasn't power, but it was peace. It was peace. And I thought, peace? Wow. And it was incredible peace. It was saturating peace. It was peace like you couldn't believe in your, in your wildest expectation. It was so intense and so strong. And I read later, about around the throne of God, it says there's a sea of glass. And I thought, yeah, that's because there's no winds of adversity. God's up in heaven. Everything's good. Woo! Might start yelling right now. Everything's good, people. Everything's good. Are there pro problems out there? Yeah, but everything's good. Everything's good. He's, in, he, he's got your number. He's got your name in palm, in, engraved on his hands. You are highly favored. You are loved by him. Amen. You are highly favored. You are loved by him. You are important to him. You are special in his sight. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Greater days are yet ahead. Greater days are yet ahead. You know, I heard this guy who, who is he's prophetic. Now listen to this. In all that you hear and see, just think about this. He says, the next 30 years will be years of the greatest expansion of the kingdom of God the world has ever seen. The next 30 years will be years of the kingdoms of God's greatest expansion in the earth. Next, in fact, he said in, at, the, at 2050, which will I be around then? <laughs> I'll be 107. No, I, well, no, I'll be 97. I won't be 107. That's 40 years. 30 years. That's what goes first. No, I'm just kidding. You're, mad, you're adding and subtracting. No, I'm just kidding. But anyway, so, uh, so 97. Yeah, 90, I'll, I'll be around. 
But they, he said, by in 30 years, in 30 years' time, there will be over 50 nations that will be living by kingdom principles. I'm thinking, where are you from? You can't be from earth because earth people don't talk like that. We're like, the end is, <laughs> the end is here. You know, that's how we talk. He goes, God showed me. And he has some credentials too because he, he got an award from the U.S. Congress because of the work that he's done in, in, in eradicating poverty in other countries. Under his guidance, Peru went from 97% extreme poverty to like the single digits. Something crazy like that. So, I mean, let, let me just say, greater days are yet ahead. Let's all stand together. So what are the three words? John, what are the three words? Hunger, humble, and honor. I thought he was going to say, get the money. <laughs> Still stuck in the old time. Amen. Turn to your neighbor. Tell him, hungry, humble, honor. Tell him that. Hungry, Hallelujah. Let's all pray together. I want to pray over you, and then we're going to, we're going to sing a song. Okay. I, I, I guess we've kind of come to the end, don't you think? We're kind of over. Are you, are, you guys, are you guys done yet? Are you guys done? You know, like we've been frying you. Are you done yet? Are you, are you just half-baked? <laughs> Lord, just thank you so much that you are a loving Father who has great things in store for us. And Lord, we can't see those things if we look around at the news media and, and the images that we see. We can't see those great things. But you said that by the Holy Spirit, you reveal them to us. Lord, I just pray, God, that you give us a vision of a future that actually glorifies you and brings glory to your name so that we can say when they ask us, we can say, the conditions on the ground are the same as what you presented when you talked about your church. Lord, I just pray right now that you would heal your church, God. Heal the division, heal the divide. Let there be a spirit of unity, Lord. Forgive us for every word that we spoke in harsh criticism of another believer or another preacher. Lord, we know you said in your word that you would judge. Up to you, Lord. If we have the opportunity to speak, we will, but otherwise we'll hold our peace. But God, I just pray that you'd heal your church. We pray and ask it in the name of Jesus. Everyone that agrees, say amen. amen. Praise God. We got some prayer counselors, if they would come forward, prayer counselors. And so if you need prayer for anything, you have a physical, mental, emotional, spiritual need, we just want you to be prayed for. And then uh, as soon as I dismiss, just make your way to the front. We also have some refreshments in the back. Um, I'm sure they're all packaged carefully so that none of you can, uh, you can all feel safe as you grab them. So we're so glad you came. And I just pray God bless you this week and have the glorious week. Amen? God bless you all. You're free to go.